Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. We love you guys and I know that this is a different Easter today. Uh, My prayer this week uh, was that the presence of Jesus would just be very real and in your lives on this Easter, uh, even though it's a, a different kind of Easter. And of course, why is that? It's, it's because we're living in uh, some challenging times right now. You know, lots, lots of uncertainty. Uh, for a while there, it seemed like every day kind of brought a new set of challenges. So our kids switched over, I'm sure, like most of yours, to remote learning about a week and a half ago. And and uh, that's what we were going to be doing. We thought we'd end by May 1st, and Shelly switched over to, to teaching online as well. And then, of course, by, the, by that weekend or the first week, we were told, no, that's how we're going to finish the rest of the year. But those are the times that we're living in. And living in uncertain times, we know what it can do is it can lead to a place of fear. And much has been uncertain in the past month. And, and so that's why we've been talking about how it is that even in uncertain times, that followers of Jesus can live fearless lives. And again, I've said this before, but I want to reiterate that is in no way meant to diminish the challenges that people are facing right now. Uh, The challenges are real. People are sick and dying from COVID-19. We know that family members are unable to visit with their loved ones in hospitals. We've been navigating those things, and not just because of the the current pandemic, but just because of regular health issues, but, but people can't go visit their own family members in the hospital. Uh, health professionals working in, in very challenging environments. And, and so we went on Friday night to be a part of the, the park and pray for our, our local health professionals. And uh, I had texted one of our uh, professionals in the church who, who works at IU, and, and she said, I can't tell you how much those prayers were appreciated today. We needed them. It had been a very challenging day. So we know that the difficulties are many. And so we, we don't diminish that. But yet at the same time, we recognize that because we follow Jesus and because of what he did on the cross, because of his resurrection and, and because of the instructions he gave us, we don't have to live fearful and anxious lives. We don't. I mean, over and over again, you find Jesus encouraging his followers, do not fear. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not be afraid. I mean, he says it so many different ways. And so it's for those reasons, because Jesus gives us those instructions that we wanted to take time to understand better how it is that we can live fearless lives as followers of Jesus. And, and so we've taken the last four weeks to do that. And today the message continues, helping us to see that we can live those fearless lives. Why? Because Jesus gives eternal life. That's a big one. I would say that's probably the biggest reason that we can live fearless lives. Why? Because Jesus gives eternal life. So if you have your Bibles... And I hope you do. These guys have our Bibles this morning. <laughs> I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 3, a very familiar verse, uh, maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16. What I want to do is, is basically start where we're going to end up today. And so it's in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will never perish, but be granted, be given eternal life. 
What a wonderful promise we have in Jesus. And we can celebrate that today on Resurrection Day, on Easter. And, and of course, uh, somebody texted me yesterday and, and their grandson had told them, every day is Resurrection Day if you follow Jesus. And that's so true. And so this is the verse that we're going to wind up at today. Because when life is uncertain and we're living in uncertain times, it's important that we remind ourselves of those things that are certain. This is so important for us, and so that's why we want to reflect on this verse, because this verse is certain for us. So I had mentioned that we've taken the last four weeks to talk about how to live right side up when the world seems upside down, how we can live fearless lives. That's what we've been focusing on. So we found in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So that's where we started. That was the first week in this series. And then we found in Philippians chapter 4 that peace is found in prayer. That's such an important principle. Peace is found in prayer. And then Pastor Jim shared from the 23rd Psalm that we do not have to fear evil. We serve a good shepherd. And last week we found that we can live fearless lives because Jesus gives peace. The context of the statement from last week, I want to remind us of that because what I'm going to do is simply pick up from where we left off last week as we look at the the uh, events of the Easter week of 2,000 years ago, of, of the Passion Week of Christ. And so the context of the statement where Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not be uh, afraid. Do not be anxious. And, and do not be worried, Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And the context is, is Jesus knows he's about to go to the cross, that the disciples' world is about to be turned upside down. And so it's important for us to understand the context that Jesus wasn't saying that just as some kind of remark, but knowing what they were about to face, he said you can still find peace. And so then what happens is, if you remember from last week, we shared this picture of the houses uh, that would be not far from the temple, uh, that Jesus could have been in the upper room in one of those houses. And, and so the context is, after Jesus says, my peace I give to you, then the, the disciples, they get up, they leave, and now they're going toward the Mount of Olives, and Jesus continues his discussion, what we find recorded in John chapter 15, and he basically says that the way that you find peace is through abiding. The way you find peace is by abiding in Jesus. And so we talked a little bit about that last week. So Jesus has promised to give us his peace, but we do have to rest in him to experience it. And so if you're new to abiding, uh, you can find at connectionpointchurch.org. We have our uh, Abide Daily Guide. So it kind of walks through what it is that uh, we refer to when we talk about Abide Daily. And so you go to connectionpointchurch.org under the pray section, you can look at, view, or download the, the Abide Daily Guide. So I encourage you to do that because it's so important that we abide. And so Jesus shares this conversation about abiding with his disciples as they leave the upper room, this, this Passover meal they shared, and they're headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And so now that's where we're going to pick up from where we left off last week in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 22. And Luke writes, and he came out and went. So this is what we were just talking about. He came out and went from the upper room, as was custom, to the Mount of Olives. So they're walking to the Mount of Olives and to the base of the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Isn't it wonderful to know that the Lord sends angels to strengthen us? Thank you, Jesus. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops 
of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So the context of this passage is the Garden of Gethsemane. So I want to share with you a picture. So we were just there a couple of weeks ago. And and so here's a picture of the base of the Mount of Olives. It's a, a beautiful garden today. And so that's the, the context of the conversation where Jesus is having, saying, we're going to go and pray in this place. I had shared during our series in Luke how Jesus could have very easily escaped the situation he was about to face. But he chose to endure the cross. He chose to watch and pray his way crossward. It's really an amazing thing that he does. But now what about the disciples? We find they slept. But what I want to point out this morning is the reason they were sleeping, because Luke tells us they weren't sleeping because of laziness. They weren't sleeping because of lovelessness. They were sleeping, our passage says, because of sorrow. The disciples didn't know what to do with the information that Jesus was sharing. One of them would betray him. One would deny him. He was going to die. So out of sorrow, they, overwhelmed by sorrow, they simply slept, hoping to wake up to a different reality. They were in denial about their current reality, and they wanted to sleep it away. And I was thinking about that for the situation we're facing right now. Where do you find yourself today? Are you overwhelmed with your current reality? Are you in denial, hoping to wake up to a different reality? If so, Jesus would say, rise and pray. Because what Jesus understands in this kind of a... When you're in a situation where you're overwhelmed, what does he say? I need you to rise and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. When you're in a situation where you're overwhelmed, Jesus knows. He loves you enough to tell you the truth. He knows that that's a place of temptation for you, or at least a place that you could be led into temptation. You know, and I don't know where you find yourself today. Is, is there relational strife in your home? You know, Maybe you're streaming stuff in your house. You know it's unhealthy to watch and look at. Whatever it is, Jesus knows it eventually leads to ruin. So what is his instruction to us today? Rise and pray. Spend time with Jesus in prayer. Going back to that abiding peace. So if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, the answer isn't to sleep, hoping to wake up to a different reality. The answer is to spend time with Jesus in prayer. And so that's what Jesus does. He prays in the garden, and he prays his way crossward. And then what happens next? We find that Jesus is arrested and put on trial. So continuing now in Luke chapter 22. It says, while he was still speaking, Jesus talking to the disciples, encouraging them to watch and pray. There came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, he was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness." Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. So Jesus is arrested, and he's brought to the high priest's house. So again, so he was in an upper room. He traveled to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then what happens is, is they take him from the Garden of Gethsemane and bring him to the high priest's house. So now I want to jump back to a picture we shared last week to kind of give you the approximate location of those houses. 
So if you think about uh, the large circle on the right, that's where Jesus would have been teaching during the week. If you would go further to what is the east, you would have been at the Mount of Olives. But, and then those houses in between are the upper rooms. But you see the circle on the left is about the location of where the high priest's home is. And so this is where Jesus is being questioned. He's being held in custody overnight. And then he's brought to Pilate, to his palace, very early in the morning. So I want to jump to, on the, in the model, you can kind of see, if you look uh, way to the right, you can see the temple still there. You can see the, the circle on the right. That's where the priestly homes are. And you see, basically, they just have to go just a little bit to the west. And that palace area is where Pilate would have been staying. It was actually built by Herod the Great. And it's where Pilate stayed when he came to Jerusalem. Pilate usually stayed in Caesarea by the sea. But during times of festivals, Pilate would stay in Jerusalem just to make sure that things didn't get out of control. So again, just want to give you some mental images and pictures as you read these passages. I want you to have an idea of of what it was that they were walking through or going to. So then what happens if you follow the context of the story, then Jesus is brought to Pilate. And then Pilate questions Jesus. He learns that he's from Galilee. So then this next picture, what we see is he goes to uh, Herod, Antipas's house. So Herod, who's the ruler up in Galilee, usually lives in Tiberias, but he too, it's a festival time. So he's come down to Jerusalem for Passover. And those are the houses in that, that area that Herod would have been staying in. So Jesus goes from the priest's house to the palace. He goes to Herod's house. And then what does Herod do? He sends him back to Pilate. So sends him back to the palace. So again, just trying to give you what what are the events of that day? What's happening? Well, Jesus is kind of being transferred to lots of different people, ultimately because they cannot find any guilt with him. Pilate basically at this point, when when Herod sends him back, he says to the temple leaders, look, we have found no guilt in him. We're going to release him. But what do the, the temple leaders say? They say, crucify him. And Pilate eventually gives in to their demand. Has Jesus beaten and led away to be crucified? What I want to mention here, or at least point out, is how did all of these events get started? How did these events of that day get started? They got started in the Garden of Gethsemane with one of the followers of Jesus, Judas, betraying him. Jesus ultimately goes to the cross. The event that kicked it off was the betrayal of one of his followers. So I was thinking about that as I was working through that message and looking at this passage of of how are we doing in following Jesus right now? All it takes is one act of betrayal, and eventually Jesus is is out of our life. And we'll find that Judas later regrets that decision. And I want to make sure that as we're following Jesus and living in in uncertain times, that we wouldn't do anything that would cause us later regret. So may may you live well following Jesus, knowing he gives us the power of the resurrection. It says that the same power that lives in Jesus lives in us. And so may I encourage us to live in that power so that we don't have later regrets of the way that we follow Jesus during this time. So what happens? Jesus is condemned by Pilate. He's led away to be crucified. But now I'd kind of like us to take a look at what is the path that he's taking, because we know it's out of the city. And so what happens is Pilate is in the palace area. He is condemned to be crucified. And so then he leaves the palace area, and now he's going to head basically to the north, where he's going to exit out one of the outer walls. So again, the palace area, you can see the the arrow that's pointing us northward. And then we'll jump to the next picture, which we'll kind of zoom up on where it is. So he travels north, and then he comes out this city gate, out to where you can see this area where there's rocks. 
Now, in this picture, you see houses and things because this model is Jerusalem uh, right before its destruction in AD 70. So at the time where Jesus is being crucified, these other houses would not have been there. Golgotha would have been right out of the city gates. And, and here's the thing that we kind of lose sight of. We always kind of have in our, our mind this picture of Jesus up on some hill. But that's not the way that Romans crucified people. What Romans would do is they would crucify people along a major thoroughfare into the city so that people could look into the eyes of the people who were being crucified and to be reminded, I don't want to do whatever they did because I don't want to wind up like they did. So as people are entering into the city for Passover, they're passing by these people being crucified saying, I don't want to wind up like them. So I want to make sure I don't revolt against Rome too because that's the, the accusation, Jesus, the king of the Jews. So I just want to have an understanding of what Golgotha really was. It was, it was really, he would have been lower to the ground, hung on a cross, but at almost eye level for people to be able to see into his eyes. And here's what I want us to think about this morning as we think about Jesus being crucified. Think about all the things the disciples have seen. Jesus has fed 5,000 people. We know it was like 10,000, 15,000 because of husbands and wives and kids that were there. He's made the lame to walk. Dead people have been raised to life. The disciples were on this incredible path forward. They thought it would end with Jesus set up as an earthly king. And they set up as governors in his earthly kingdom. But now he's dead and buried. Alicia Britt Sholee in her book, uh, 40 Days of Decrease, she writes, The eternal weight of the space between Jesus' death and resurrection will only be known on the other side of this life. You know, so we're so used to understanding that we needed Friday, you know, crucifixion Friday to get to resurrection Sunday. These disciples had no idea that that's how things are going to wind up. So the weight for them of what they've just lost had to be absolutely tremendous. Uh, Sholee continues, she said, the disciples had a dream that was cruelly crucified before their very eyes. They were certain that their dream was God's dream, that their hope for Messiah, what happened? He was murdered. Not even a fool could hope now. The sealed tomb confirmed the truth. Jesus was dead. I would imagine the followers of Jesus were working through all kinds of feelings. It wasn't supposed to be like this. What now? And maybe that's where you find yourself right now, amidst the crisis our world is facing. It wasn't supposed to be like this. I was supposed to have a, a high school graduation. I was supposed to have a job. I was supposed to have a growing retirement account. What now? The question that we look at as we think about the crucifixion of Jesus is, what do you do when you feel hopeless and are asking the question, what now? Oh, what I found interesting as I was looking back at Scripture, what did the disciples do? I think there was two important things they did. The reason, if you think about it, the reason they had to take Jesus down off the cross and put him in the tomb is because it was Sabbath. So what are the two things that the disciples did? Number one, they rested. They rested. So in a, in a hopeless situation, they rested. And the second thing they did is they stayed together. They maintained relationships that uh, we find, you know, at the resurrection morning, that when Mary goes to the tomb, Jesus says, go back and tell all of the other disciples. So it's not like they scattered. They stayed together. So two very important things that, that I think we could pull from this passage. What do you do in the midst of a crisis? How do you make it through? You rest in Jesus and you stay together. Those two things are vital. This is why we've encouraged everyone to, to 111, to spend an hour together on a Sunday morning in service together, 
to spend an hour in corporate prayer, and to spend an hour abiding with Jesus daily. And then we also launched small groups. We did that immediately because Shelly and I, so we spent time overseas in interesting situations. We were in Khartoum, Sudan, when, when rebels from Darfur came and, and to attack the, the capital city. Spent time in, in the Middle East in Jerusalem, dealing with contentious things there. And the way that we found you make it through crisis is together. That's the principle. So I can't encourage you enough. Make sure to stay connected with your small group. Let them know things that they can be praying with you about. Let them know things that uh, uh, they can celebrate with you. Because that's important too, that you keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, If you're not a part of a small group, go to connectionpointchurch.org. And there's a, a place under connect where you can join a small group. We want to make sure we stay connected during this time. It's vital during a crisis. Because the way you make it through a crisis is together. But we know that this is not the end of the story because we're sitting today on Sunday, which is Resurrection Day. What we are about to see is that faith is not threatened by funerals. That's a really important principle. Faith is not threatened by funerals because we serve the God of the resurrection. So I want to read from Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? I love that question. He is not here, but has risen. Why can we live fearless lives? Because death has no hold on us. We serve a living God. The God of the resurrection. He is risen. And we would say in return, he is risen indeed. Meditating on the resurrection this past week, I was uh, thinking about the situation we find ourselves in. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of of Matthew uh, chapter 10, where Jesus says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. You know, we don't need to fear pandemics. Why? Because so long as we put our faith in Jesus, we're guaranteed eternity with him. We don't have to fear that. Don't be afraid of of, of viruses that may want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. And then I want to go back to the passage we started with at the beginning of this message in, in the third chapter of John. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but be given eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. And that's our final question this morning. Do you love the light more than the darkness? Do you love the darkness more than the light? Have you put your full and complete trust in Jesus? Are you living wholeheartedly for him right now? Or betraying him in the way you choose to live? You cannot live fearless unless you're living in the confidence that Jesus has given you eternal life because you surrendered your life to him. So if you're living in fear, maybe that's why. Because you've yet to really trust Jesus with all of you. You know, even if you've been attending church service on a Sunday morning for 20 years, I was thinking about that this week. That doesn't mean you've ever really trusted Jesus with everything. I mean everything. So why not do that today? How can we live fearless lives? 
We can live fearless lives knowing Jesus gives us eternal life. That's it. So in closing today, what I'd like to do is invite you uh, to make a decision to put your trust in Jesus so that you can live free from fear. You know, I know we've got a lot of people tuning in. And with it being an Easter Sunday, you know, maybe you've been a part of Connection Church. Maybe you're not. Maybe you've just been tuning in even the last couple of weeks. But maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you realize you have been living in fear these past several weeks. But now you want to be set free knowing Jesus gives peace and eternal life to all those who put their full and complete faith in him. And I want you to know that right now you can make that decision to follow Jesus. And be set free from fear. So I'm simply going to pray this morning. And I'm going to invite you to to pray with me today. God, I just thank you for sending your son. I thank you that you displayed your power over death with his resurrection. So God, I pray for all those today that are listening. That are watching. That are tuning in. and, And Lord, that have this conviction that they need to put their faith in you today. So Lord Jesus, I pray that they would confess that you are Lord. I pray, Jesus, that they would believe in their hearts that you have been raised from the dead. And Jesus, I just pray that decisions be made all across the greater Lafayette area. I pray decisions are made all across this state. I pray that decisions are made all across this country and all around the world today, that people put their trust in you in ways they have never done before because they realize that you are the only certainty in uncertain times. And so, Jesus, I pray today that whatever else we've put our faith in, that we would put it aside. But, Lord Jesus, that we would just put our faith in you. So, Lord, I I pray for those that make that decision today, maybe for the first time, maybe, maybe to rededicate their lives to you. Maybe they've made that decision, have walked away from you. But, Lord Jesus, today they make a renewed commitment to follow you for all their life. Lord, I pray that you would help them to be steadfast in that decision. I pray, Jesus, that they get connected with others to help them grow in you. And Jesus, we just rejoice today in those that decide to follow you and commit their lives to you, Lord, that their eternal destiny is different today because of it. And Lord, I I do thank you, Lord, that we can live fearless lives because you give us peace, because you give us eternal life, because you've not given us a spirit of fear. Lord, but you've given us a sound mind, Lord, that, that we can find peace in prayer and abiding in you. And so, Lord, I do pray that for all of our our listeners today, Lord, all those that are watching, I pray, Jesus, for a renewed commitment to you, to spending time with you, resting in you, and, Lord, to be able to stay connected with other believers, for it's vital. And, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to encourage you, if you prayed with me today, uh, if you have made that decision to follow Jesus, that that you make a, a comment online to say, I made a decision to follow Jesus today, that we could just celebrate with you. Uh, we'd love to celebrate with you in that decision today. But at the same time, we want to celebrate with you. We also don't want to leave you alone in that decision because, you know, we, we might make that decision to follow Jesus alone, but we grow in Jesus in community. And I'll tell you what, the enemy of your soul does not want you to live as a follower of Jesus. And so things will come against you in that decision. So we just want to encourage you right away. So I'd encourage you to go to connectionpointchurch.org. There's a a button there that you can select that says, I decided to follow Jesus. Click on that. Just enter your name and information. And and I'll call you today because I want to get you connected with others that can encourage you in your decision to follow Jesus. We don't want to leave you alone that decision. We walk with you in that so that you know where you go from here. So make make your comments. Let us celebrate with you. Go to connectionpointchurch.org. And while you're doing that, then we're going to close in song this morning.